Support comes from Empower Missouri's Week of Action with in-person and virtual advocacy training for affordable housing, criminal justice, and food security initiatives, March 25th through 28th. Registration at empowermissouri.org WOA. Phelps County has been reliably Republican for some time. So when an open seat to the state legislature comes up, Democrats, especially more moderate ones, hope to seize that opportunity to upend the trend. Lisa McCarthy is such a person, a Democrat running for the new 122nd House District seat. The retired math teacher joins us on the latest episode of Politically Speaking and attempts to educate voters on school funding, taxes, and her near-lifelong residency in Phelps County. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. We have to talk about things that matter to people. I've tried to bring that same aggressive iconoclast style with me to uh, the United States Senate. I think my district is a model for the state. We put Missourians first. You just kind of have to find the common ground with people. I believe that this district deserves someone who represents their values. After I came back to St. Louis, I started thinking that I could have a bigger role on the change that I wanted to make. The 122nd district in the Missouri State House is new, sort of. Redistricting did redraw it so that the district is now essentially the eastern two-thirds of Phelps County. And one of the candidates for that seat that is open is Lisa McCarthy, and she joins us today on Politically Speaking. Lisa, Good morning, thank you. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to run for office. All right. Um, I, my name is Lisa McCarthy, and I'm running as a Democrat for House Rep. I grew up in Phelps County, spent all my life here, except for one year. I, uh, first year we were married, lived in St. Louis, and then promptly came back to Phelps County. I, um, I went to school at John F. Hodge, St. James. Then I went to college at the University of Missouri-Rolla. Um, taught in the St. James School District for 14 years, high school math, and then I taught in the Rolla Districts for 16 years. Um, retired, and with the redistricting, it was an opportune time to run for office. There's no incumbent in our district, and uh, it's politics, not necessarily the politics, but the state-level government is something I've been interested in uh, for several years now, and I would like to get in there to to talk about some issues that I think are important to Missourians that might get overlooked um, when we, we get distracted, I think, sometimes by what the national media tells us or our own political parties are, are pushing their agendas and, and want those things discussed. And I, I would like to get in there and, and talk some, about some real-life issues for Missourians. What are those real-life issues you think aren't getting talked about? I would like to, to, to talk about education um, and the funding, the way we do that. Um, attainable housing, I think, is an issue we have going on in Missouri. Um, that needs to be dealt with. The, the new infrastructure money that will be coming down from the federal government, I, I, we got $6.5 billion on its way to Missouri, and I'd like to see that that gets distributed in a fair and equitable way, especially to the rural areas. Um, there's a, just yesterday, the Missouri Congress passed a income tax cut mm-hmm. that Governor Parsons had asked for. What do you make of that? I, uh, you know what, if, if we are truly bringing in too much funding, 
and and we have the data to support that, that that is a trend that has happened for several years, then yeah, we need to cut the taxes. But when there's programs, when we have like our state troopers, our highway patrolmen are paid uh, near the bottom of, and I've heard one source say the bottom, but we're, we're definitely in the last five states for what we pay our state troopers. Um, our teachers are at the bottom of the pay scales. Our conservation agents, they are at the bottom of what the national averages are. So these are uh, occupations where a lot of the funding comes from our state-level budget. And if we're not able to pay our state employees these what they should be getting, or at least a competitive wage with other states, then I'm not so sure that the income tax cut was the best way to go. Um, what I see on that is that the what I've read is that the top income tax bracket is what got cut, and uh, and an additional thousand dollars that's exempt after the standard deduction. So not much on the bottom, but there was something on the right, bottom. Right, right. Um, the I, I feel that with this t- income tax cut, that the wealthier Missourians will see much more of a benefit than our middle to low income Missourians. Um, and, at, and at the same time, we have a high need for some improvements with state programs. You said two magic words <laughs> in there that I'd like to, to get a definition of. Um, first of all, you said rural. Yes. When you say rural Missourians, mm-hmm. who do you mean? So I am talking about even, even Rolla is considered a rural area. If you um, look at some definitions of it, like, for example, uh, my, my, one of my sons in, in his schooling, he, they say that if you settle in a rural area, then um, certain parts of your college tuition can be reimbursed by you know, your employers. And they consider like Springfield, Missouri to be a rural area. Rolla would be considered a rural well, area. What, but what do you, when you say, you know, spread out across rural yes. areas, because not, I am for that, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you well, there. No. I wanted to come back to, to very rural areas too. And places like St. James, Missouri, the, um, that infrastructure money, the $6.5 billion that I mentioned, that much of that money is allocated to rural areas to use for broadband internet. It can also be used for wastewater treatment plants, clean drinking water. Um, I think when we hear infrastructure, we automatically think roads and bridges. But, but every town has a wastewater treatment system that needs upkeep. So, so when your definition of rural at least in the district you're hoping to represent, would be everything that isn't city proper of Rolla? No, not, no, 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 not okay. necessarily. I'm, I'm saying that that we are considered a rural area. This, even all of Phelps County, I consider to be a rural area. Okay. Um, I, I, in Missouri, I would consider St. Louis, Columbia, Kansas City, even Springfield to, to be more of your, your urban areas, Jefferson City. The, um, Joplin? The, Jop, Joplin is, they could be considered rural, but r- rural, but they are, you know, I guess you could look at every city and, and district and population wise, but for me, the, I see the rural areas 
starting out, like if I were in the legislature, looking at your less densely populated areas first towards rural. Um, I think if you were from another state, I'm sure if you lived in New York, you would think that all of Missouri is rural. So, so the definition of well, rural, you're saying it depends is on where in broad. New York. If you live in New York City, sure. If you live in <laughs> upstate New York, maybe not. I agree. Um, the other thing that you said was you talked about um, wealthy, middle income, low income, and and people who are in government and politics throw those phrases around a lot. And every time I hear them, I like to challenge that. So, if you're talking about a family of four that lives in Phelps County. How much money do they make in your mind when you think of them as wealthy or when you think of them as middle class or when you think of them as poor or if you when people say the working class? Yes. What, what, what income range for a family of four in Phelps County do you think that includes? All right. So when you look at like a, a median income, average median, not average, the median, median. income um, in, in the United States, it falls in the 50s. Fifty-five to fifty-eight thousand dollars for, and that's household income. That's everybody in that household, the income that they're bringing in. So, with a median, you got half of your population makes more than that, half your population makes less than that. Um, so, I guess you could call that middle income in there. But, but then, how how far <laughs> do you, how far do you speak? Because there are when in my experience, people say the middle class, and you know, people who make. A household of four that makes thirty thousand think they're in that, and a household of four that makes three hundred thousand think that they're in that. You're right. You're right. I I think once you start getting into the six digits, especially in an area around here, you're you're doing you're doing okay. But they would be they would classify themselves as middle class and and can definitely be middle class when you I you know when they they talk about also that top one percent and mm-hmm. and. I don't know that we have many of those. No, in Phelps we don't. County. I don't think we do. Not very many. Um, there's obviously that that's your extreme wealthy, and and that's why we don't use an average income. We use the median income instead of the mean because the mean would throw it way off once you throw in those numbers of the well. Okay, super so rich. So w- I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but so a f- a household income of over $100,000 a year in Phelps County, you would see that as being not in middle, the middle anymore. Speaking from the, let me take it back to something I'm mm-hmm. very familiar with. Okay. All right. So I've been an educator for 32 years. Mm-hmm. And when you look at your school district funding, they look at your free and reduced lunch okay. counts. And I know like Salem, Missouri, has a very high free and reduced lunch count. Uh, St. James has a high free and reduced lunch count. Rolla's is not as high as as St. James is, but um, there's still a significant population of free and reduced lunch kids that that go through our school system. Um, so that I think that's one metric you could use when you're looking at the overall wealth of of a region mm-hmm. of the state. Well, and, and I, I get that, but and I, you're wanting a number, aren't well, you? Well, yeah, and you're 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 a mathematician, so I, you, you see, and and I understand that nobody wants to put a cutoff line because it can alienate yeah. people who are on the other side Absolutely. of the line. But it, it, it from trying to cover public policy issues, it's frustrating when you hear people talk about a broad group of people mm-hmm. like working Missourians mm-hmm. and the 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 swath of people who think. 
who hear themselves in that, and that's not really what you know. Who, where, where, where how do we define it? I, I think right. we're very bad at defining right. terms. So, I, I feel that once you have a household income that's coming in at at less than, if you want a number, let's go fifty to sixty grand, mm-hmm. that that their dollars are being stretched. They're going to watch every dollar that's coming in to to get all of their needs met. Mm-hmm. And then oh, probably once you pass, um, you seem to be wanting numbers. <laughs> well, hundred. Let's say one hundred fifty thousand. Okay. And, and in this area, you're you're going to do okay. You're going to do. You're going to be able to meet your bills. Um, you're going to be able to put food on the table. You're going to have some extra money there for entertainment. Um, but there's a there are so many people making less than sixty thousand dollars in in our area. Um, in fact, when I I was knocking door to door and I was talking to this, this couple about state trooper money, state trooper income, and they thought that a forty three thousand dollar salary was wealthy. That that to them was a lot of money. Um, but when I look at $43,000 or $48,000 for a state trooper, I'm, I'm seeing that this is a very dangerous job. We're asking these people to put their life on the line every single day. Uh, it's a high-stress job. There's um, a lot of training that goes along with it. I, I feel that when you put a number on what's wealthy and what's not wealthy, I think you got to be real careful there because – $48,000 for some occupations is going to sound like a lot of money, that, it's, that you're being overpaid for that particular job. But $48,000 on some other occupations, that's, that's the bottom. That, that, that is not what they deserve to be paid. So I think that, that it is hard to put that, that dollar amount, that it becomes relative. I, I've seen um, uh, recently the... Oh, Biden had a, a plan that went through, and he was saying that um, less than people who made less than two hundred fifty thousand, that you're going to get this this much money back. But if you make more than four hundred thousand dollars, then you're you don't qualify for these programs. So so when you look nationally, some of our income cutoffs are are far higher than what I think people in Phelps County or areas where the population is even smaller than what we have in Phelps County. Um, where they think those cutoffs would be of who's considered wealthy and who's considered poor. Um, you mentioned the tax cut that the legislature uh, passed as we're recording this uh, yesterday. Um, the other thing that is in that special sec- session is agricultural tax credits. Now, they haven't passed those yet. And again, as we're recording this, we're expecting them to address that next week. Similar to how we talked about the definition of rural, do we need to have a definition of what a farmer is? Because there could be someone who farms 2,000 acres. A certain family owns the corporation, so it is considered a family farm. But it is a 2,000-acre corn and bean operation. Is that a farm, but is also a 200-acre farm where they grow vegetables and raise pigs and sell them at the farmer's market? Is that also a farm? And when we have agricultural tax credits, are we addressing both of them fairly? I fully support the Missouri farmers. That if if it is um, a small farmer, then 
I believe that they would also need to benefit from any tax credit that we're talking about putting in. If the only ones who are going to benefit from these tax credits are your um, large, large farms, the ones that perhaps are owned by a corporation and then considered family farms, that I, I don't know that that's a great use of our uh, tax cut or our tax um, credit system. I, I'd like to see that that the smaller farmers could also find a way to benefit from that. You're listening to Politically Speaking on St. Louis Public Radio. We'll be back with more with Lisa McCarthy, a candidate for the 122nd House District in Phelps County, after this break. St. Louis Public Radio's The Gateway gives you the day's news first thing every weekday morning. From the ever-evolving relationship between St. Louis City and County to developments in the Missouri and Illinois State Capitals, and reports from our correspondents in Rolla and the Metro East. We put it all in a roughly 10-minute package with clarity and context. Download The Gateway wherever you get podcasts. And we're back on Politically Speaking. Lisa McCarthy is our guest today. She's the Democrat running for the 122nd House District in the Missouri House of Representatives. Um, Recreational marijuana is going to be on the ballot this fall. How do you feel about that? I like data. And I had a student this past year ask me, where do you stand on recreational marijuana, Mrs. McCarthy? And, and of course, as a teacher, you've got to be so careful with what you say. And so anyway, I, I told him, I said, I'm same thing I'm going to tell you. I want to see the data. So there are some areas, some, some states, some cities that, ha- that have already had recreational marijuana on the books. so Our neighbor in, to the east, for example. So in these states, did productivity go up? Did um, incomes go up? Did schools' test scores go up? Did What about other drug use? Did other drug use fall? Um, that, that would be a very interesting thing to know if, if we recognize, legalize recreational marijuana. Is it reducing the usage of of some of our um, stronger drugs, such as opioids? I'd I'd love to see some numbers on that. But uh, so far in any of the advertisements I've seen, I I haven't seen anything on that. So where do I stand? I, I personally am glad that this is being put to the voters because I'd I'd like I want to see what Missourians feel on this issue. Well, however, if they vote yes, then it's in the Constitution and it's in the Constitution the way that it's written in that ballot initiative and tweaks to it become incredibly difficult to do because it has been adopted in the state Constitution. So do we have enough time, do you think, between now and November to get all that data that you're talking about (laughs) And to get data that we can trust because people who are for this and against it will, you know, I don't know if you know this, but 62.9% of all data is made up on the spot. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's so, depressing. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's true. I just made it up. <laughs> but, but, but the point being that, that is there time to get reliable data and educate people as to what that means so that there's a, a, a process to assess it that is more than side A, yeah, I want to be able to smoke marijuana whenever I want, 
and side B, it's the devil's lettuce and we need to stop it at all costs. Right. Uh, no, no. Between now and November 8th, there's, unless this data has already been compiled, collected, and these questions that I'm asking, I don't know that that's where people are looking at their data. I, they might be looking at hospitalization rates, trips to the emergency room, um, driving under the influence, that type of data might already be out there. But some of the data that I'm talking about is even more subjective, hard, very hard to measure. Like when you ask, is, um, are people showing up for work? Are they showing up sober? Let's call it, let's just call it sober. Um, or are they under the influence still of, of cannabis? Which I, some of this is, is subjective. Um, it's not like your, many of your businesses are going to be doing drug tests to see whether or not their employees are, are still under the influence. So the measurable data, no. By November 8th, no. So sh what is your advice to people whether they should vote yes or no on this? Oh, boy. No, this, no, 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 no. I can say that people should vote how, how they truly feel on it. I, again, when something gets put to a vote by, for the public, it's for the public to decide on that. It's, I want to know what Missourians feel about the issue. Do, where does my guts lead? I think it's going to pass. I think it's going to pass. How do you plan to vote on it? <laughs> Can I tell you that I personally have not made up my mind yet? Okay. okay. As I don't want to sound wishy-washy on it, but um, I'm leaning towards a yes vote. I, I, I am on that. Um, but there's still a part of me, and maybe it's my age, that I... I not enough has been shown to me to see the benefits of something like legalizing recreational marijuana. What are the benefits? And, and that is what's going to push my vote. This is an open seat. Jason Shipman, who lived in this district, has been term limited out, and he won't be returning. Um, but this is a really Republican area. Mm -hmm. It's been a long time since a Democrat has won much of anything in this part of the state. What do you think will be different about your chances this time around? All right. First, let me talk a little bit about Democrat versus Republican. Mm -hmm. the, the House and the Senate in Missouri has been Republican in the majority since 2003. You know, we're talking almost 20 years here of the GOP having the majority. Um, right now, when I, I go to meetings and um, conventions where, where there's a, a lot of Democrats gathered, they're not talking about winning the majority. They're talking about trying to undo the Republicans' supermajority. So am I aware of the uphill battle that I have in this race? Absolutely, I am. Um, and I even had friends when I went to sign up to, to run as state rep say, are you, are you signing up as a Democrat? And I said, yeah. And they're like, wouldn't you stand a better chance of winning if you signed up as a Republican? I'm like, I said, as soon as I open my mouth, people are going to know that I'm not a Republican. I'm a Democrat. So I've got to be true to who I am and, and let the people vote accordingly. Um, I will tell you that I am I'm well aware that I need to win over some Republican votes. I, when I'm knocking door to door, I, I welcome the conversations that I'm getting. Um, 
when I'm putting out my yard signs, every time I've, I put one of my yard signs out in a Republican yard and everybody in our community knows that guy votes Republican every single year, I am overjoyed. I'm overjoyed because it, it's showing hope there and it's showing that people still want a two-party system, that they do fear having just one party be in complete control and, and where that might lead us. So I am perhaps perhaps naive, but I'd prefer to think of it as optimistic that there are enough people out there who know me as a person, that know my reputation, uh, the reputation I've built as an educator for the last 32 years, the families that I've reached through education, um, the families that I've reached through church. I, I play the piano at the St. James United Methodist Church. It's been a, a big part of my life. Um, growing up here in Phelps County, again, I, I feel like People know who I am and what I stand for and that I don't jump into things lightly, that I'm going to think both sides of the issue inside and out before I jump into anything. So is it an uphill battle? Absolutely. But I feel that just from the reactions I'm getting when I'm knocking to the door and I see the hope in their eyes, I think I can do this. I, I want to circle back to what you were talking about with uh, the tax cuts when we were talking about um, pay and how we're in the bottom of, of a bunch of categories for state trooper pay, conservation agents, teachers. Um, I think most people believe we've got very good state troopers and we've got very good teachers and we've got very good conservation agents. Um, and when I was listening to the debate on the tax cut, there were some Republicans who said we are stewards of other people's money and we have to be as efficient as possible and we have to do the very best with the least amount because it's not our money, it's the people's money. So how would you argue against we've got good state troopers, we've got good teachers, we've got good conservation agents and they we pay them what we pay them and they're willing to do it, why would we pay them more if we get quality for what we are paying them? Let me tell you about the last of my 32 years of education. I actually retired in May 2021 uh, from the Rolla School District. And that was my, always my plan. I was going to retire after 31 years. And in August, I got a phone call from the Salem superintendent when I only live 15, 16 miles from Salem. But she called and uh, said, hey, we have this math position at the high school we can't fill. And not just can't fill, not a single certified math teacher had applied for that position. So there are teacher shortages out there. I, I filled in. I went back. I went and taught a, a 32nd year, and I went, I went to Salem so that they could have a math teacher instead of just hiring a permanent sub for the year. Um, so, and, and Salem's not the only district that, that has been faced with that. There are many districts who are finding it very challenging to get and then keep teachers. We have so many teachers who leave during that first five years. And do you mind if I branch off a little bit Go and talk ahead. about some education funding? Go thank ahead. you. Thank you. Um, so our legislature, the last couple of years, have been bragging about fully funding the foundation formula. And the foundation formula is what gets money to the school districts. All right, so they said that we're fully funded. Well, they changed the definition of fully funded in 2016. 
they, they changed the state adequacy target, and they put a cap on any increases that could happen to that state adequacy target. So here's what a state adequacy target is. They look at what, the, what it costs to educate us per pupil in the state of Missouri, and then they look at national averages too, but mostly in the state of Missouri. So um, that state adequacy target is built into the formula. Some other things that are built into the formula are your property tax levies that you have, um, your free and reduced lunch, the, the local contributions to, to your education. So Missouri state government has been saying we're fully funding, but, but it's not anywhere near what that state adequacy target would have been had they not changed the definition of that, what fully funded meant. I, I was looking this up, and the, for our local sources of funding, we are the third highest in the nation. Missouri is the third highest for local contributions to education, and the part that is provided by the state, we come in 49th. We put too much, um, too much burden on our property owners that, that pays for a bulk of our education is our property taxes instead of income taxes. So here we are talking about income tax breaks, changing the income taxes, making these cuts, and, and yet we're not putting enough money into the foundation formula as it is. Um, I think currently our state adequacy target is around $6,400, whereas um, in the U.S. average is about $7,400 per pupil. It, I, when we talk about giving tax credits to the farmers, so these farmers are, are property owners too, and they pay property taxes. A lot of a property. lot of property taxes. A lot of property taxes. The more acres you own, the more property taxes you are going to pay. So we're putting all this burden burden on our business owners, our property owners, um, to to fund our school systems when we could be using more of our income tax to fund it and not put all of the burden on the. Uh, on the property tax. When we, use, when we increase that state adequacy target, that's going to affect every school district because it's a per-pupil part that goes into the foundation formula. Don't, don't people see that as a, I mean, it feels though that that, that might be a more of a local issue than a statewide issue because, let, let's take the good people of the Rolla School District who are violently anti-tax. If you talk to people who live in Rolla about the gas tax, two and a half cents after it hadn't been touched in almost 20 years, they think that the state is just gouging them on that. However, this is also the same people that went to the polls to approve a bond referendum to do improvements at the high school, the junior high, and all of the elementary schools. So they voted, they're very anti-tax when it comes to the state. But when it's local and you know your money is going to go to your school on your street in your town, they're okay with it. So how do you make the argument that we need to take a, lower the taxes that you know are going to go to your local district and increase the ones that go into the statewide so, pool? So I'm not, I'm not saying that necessarily. What I'm saying is that the burden right now, we rely very heavily on that property tax. If there was some more m money that was used from the income tax. Instead, you could, you could balance it out more. When you talk about us passing these bond issues, I, a lot of these bond issues that get passed is because our school districts have been very good 
stewards of their local money. Our school districts have been able to pay down debt and then we're able to borrow against. We have this borrowing power that we can do um, because that debt has been paid down. So you can often do new construction without increasing your tax levy. You, you pose it to, the, to your voters as this bond issue, and it's going to last for this many years, and we can do this without increasing your taxes. And I think that's how we get a lot of things passed is when we say we can do this without increasing your taxes. Because you're right, when people hear, well, my taxes are going up, we do freak out. We do. Nobody likes to pay taxes. In our closing minute or so, what when you're going door to door and you finish talking to somebody, what is your your closing argument, your your thirty second speech at the very end of your interaction with them to try to close the deal and get them to vote for you? I hand I, I have a, a trifold that I, I give them, and on that trifold, it has some of my personal information, but it also has some of the political issues uh, that. I feel are important that I feel like I could offer some expertise or at least do the research and, and get involved with these things. And then I direct them to my, my Facebook page, my web page to, to get some more information about me. I ask, I ask them to do some research on me. I ask them to ask around, ask your neighbors. Hey, I heard she was a teacher. Did your kids have her? Hey, did you ever meet her? Have you talked to her? I ask, I tell people to, to, to learn about me. Um, they and for them, I I, I I try to express to them how grateful I am when they give me their support, and that um, if and I also when I could tell that they're leaning more to the Republican Party, I just flat out tell them who my opponent is, and and um, for them to uh, to go vote. And you mentioned your uh, some internet presence. Where can people find you online? You can go to Lisa for Mo, L I S A four M O dot com, and then my Facebook page is, is also at Lisa for Mo. And you can find me on Twitter at Jonathan All Lisa McCarthy, Democratic candidate for the one hundred and twenty second State House District. Thank you very much for joining us on Politically Speaking. Politically Speaking is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, which is a service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.